Deadheads, welcome to our podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Lucy. And this is The Walking Dead cast episode 320. We're back podcasting about The Walking Dead, sort of, kind of, Fear the Walking Dead. I'm yeah, happy to be talking about Dead. this show. Uh, before we get going, I want to remind you guys this episode and all the episodes are made possible by Patreon supporters like Christina Wiggins, who pledged their support at patreon.com slash Jason and Karen. So thanks to Christina, everyone else who's pledging, and anyone else who's thinking about it. Um, so last week, I guess it was last week, you guys did Women of Podcastica. It was really fun. <laughs> oh, we had such a laugh. It was so great. Um, honestly, it was one of the funnest things I'd done all summer. So that was a really good one to record. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I was glad to hear Karen just was on full brightness mode, full enthusiasm. <laughs> and I think that probably helped amp it up, right? For sure. And I did, we kind of made her be the responsible grown up in your absence. And I think she <laughs> rose to the challenge with grace and charm as ever. So <laughs> it was wonderful to get to podcast with her as well. It's been a dream of mine for a long time. So it was nice to have that realized. Yeah. And, you know, people should know that you're actually the one who wrote up the agenda and you came up with all the topics and everything and you did a wonderful <laughs> job. And it was really cool to hear you guys just kind of touch on all those different aspects of The Walking Dead. So I very much enjoyed that. You should hear the director's cut. It's filthy. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I did hear. I listened to everything you guys. Actually, it was yeah, funny because you, you guys kept on recording for a while, but uh, two people uh, stopped recording, so I can only hear part of the conversation. <laughs> and so I just heard Karen, like Kristen was explaining something, and Karen was just going, what? No way. Shut up. And I was like, what is she saying? <laughs> it's too scandalous. We couldn't possibly... Um, <laughs> yeah. that, that was pretty funny i actually cut funny. some of that up and i was gonna put it at the end but it, it made it sound like i was making fun of karen which i didn't want so i have oh, have never. that maybe i'll put it out sometime anyways <laughs> what else oh you know what uh melissa hutchison gave me a code for the new uh walking dead game which is just coming out today as i'm recording that the Ooh. final telltale walking dead uh chapter or uh, series yeah and i i already I, I went to redeem it and then i realized oh i already pre-ordered this i already have it so melissa said i could give it away to a listener so um you can win a, the full season of the new walking dead game and if you want that i don't know what should people do 
Like, I don't know. I just want something I can win. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't care. Uh, I, don't, I don't care. Just, just how about write in. Uh, I'll put up a post on Facebook. So facebook.com slash deadcast. And you guys write on there and tell me why you should win this game. And I'll pick someone. Amazing. Yeah. I will. I will also look at entries just to make sure Jason's keeping it fair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be fun. All right. Let's get into the main event. Attention shoppers, Deadcast Top 5 in 5, 4, 3, 2. Alright, here we are. It's our Deadcast Top 5 this week. It's our Top 5 Highlights for Fear the Walking Dead, Season 4, Episode 9, People Like Us. People like Do people like them? I, I like most of them. <laughs> Some of them I don't like. <laughs> You're reading it People like us. People like um, us, right? <laughs> yeah, I think sort of. Like I us. mean, Charlie, I don't like still. <laughs> she's um, she's going through her shit. You I know, know, she's got some stuff to get through. <laughs> I should try to empathize with her because she's just a kid, and I think actually giving Luciana a copy of that book was an apology at the end. But mm-hmm. um, she killed Nick, and 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 she needs to show some personality or something. She wants she me needs to... to redeem herself with some fucking personality. <laughs> yeah, something. And then uh, Luciana, I mean, same thing with her. I totally mm-hmm. uh, understand that she's lost everything in her life, her boyfriend, but also her family, everything. And so she's just kind of in shock and doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of still kind of boring. So um need a little personality. <laughs> I can I can sympathize with that for sure. Uh certainly certainly with you on that one i think although i'm a bit more sympathetic to charlie i think just about everyone else june uh, i could you know she's all right but like uh althea strand morgan and john dory i i really like all those characters i think that's a fair assessment i think <laughs> it's difficult with june i mean it kind of yeah i'll talk a bit more about that later but mm-hmm. it's it's difficult because i feel like we haven't actually met her in some ways right so it's difficult to gauge at this point. It's kind of a, what Althea is saying. All right, now we know who uh-huh. you really are. Let's have some of it. Well, what did, sure. just in general, what did you think of the episode this week? I enjoyed it. I felt it, it wasn't exactly coming back with a bang, but I would give it a solid high, between 3.5 and 4, I think, for me. Um, it felt like setting things in place for what's to come. So I'm cautiously optimistic. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of an easygoing pace, and I didn't mind that, actually. I enjoyed it, and uh, it's like a bomb just went off, you know? The stadium's mm-hmm. destroyed, Madison and Nick are dead, and everybody is reeling right now, and mm-hmm. and so we're just seeing the very beginnings of them trying to pick up the pieces and see how they move forward, and, and um, yeah, I'm I'm curious to know how that will work, so... Yeah, I really liked it, actually. I'd probably go a little higher than you, maybe a ah, solid four. Yeah. The rules have reversed. I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like I've said, I don't know if I said this on a actual fear podcast, but I'm not at all happy with the way that this whole change has been with the showrunners, where mm. a show that I was really digging in season three has pretty much just been uh, tossed aside, in my in my opinion. But mm-hmm. I'm going to try to forget about that and realize, okay, now I'm watching a new show that's also called Fear the Walking Dead that has a couple of the same characters and it's a pretty good show too. So I'll give it, you know, 
go into it with an open mind and see see how I like it. If I start thinking about Madison too much, though, then I'm just going to be have a grimace on my face. <laughs> the Having her in the recap was sore. I was did it? not yeah. enjoy that. It was sore. I felt very... Uh, I, I probably would have been pissed off if they hadn't had her in the recap, but yeah, there's right. something about seeing her. I was like, oh, Kim, no. <laughs> yeah, just don't show her anymore. <laughs> she also looks a hell of a lot like one of my oldest friends who I love very much. And mm. every time I see her, I'm just like, no. <laughs> mm. But yeah, she's, you know, she's not there right now. The interesting I, I guess thing she's about not coming back. She's, Kim Dickens is, um, she, as Madison has a hardness to her at times, mm-hmm. Kim Dickens definitely has a strength, but she has a gl- gleam in her eye, a little playfulness that Madison mm-hmm. was starting to get actually later on. And yeah. I don't know why I'm mentioning this, but anyway. Just, just to make us both like super sad. <laughs> yeah, I feel bad for Kim Dickens. I do want to watch more stuff with Kim Dickens in it. I, the only one I can kind of think of off the top of my head is Deadwood. Um, and I saw her in Gone Girl. So yeah, any recommendations for more Kim Dickens? I'm all over that. Yeah, me too. Totally. All right. Let's, yeah, it'll be cool to find out what, what she does next. Uh, mm. She was pretty good in House of Cards too. Oh, she is that the net, Netflix House of Cards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. she played a reporter. Mm. Okay, uh, number. what's our number five? What's your number five? Okay, for number five, I think I'm going to go with the different setups that people have. Um, so some time has passed. I gathered from the episode it had been about a month, maybe a couple of weeks more than that. And I liked seeing the different places that people have chosen to live. When it comes to world building and things like Game of Thrones or Lord of the Rings or any kind of big scale creative thing, I always like seeing the different environments that people choose to live in and how it affects them and what it says about their character. So I quite like seeing these quite different setups for all of the characters who we've been getting to know. So you've got John and June and Charlie on the bus on the bridge, which I originally thought was the bridge from the John and June standalone episode, but I don't think it is. I think it's a different bridge entirely. Yeah, because he said the cabin is very far away. So yeah, that was I at that point I was like, oh, uh huh. But it's similar. (laughs) I mean, they even think that the same thing might be happening. That's that was why I got a bit discombobulated with that, but I enjoyed the kind of setup of the bus having a bit of space. That sort of kind of outdoorsy aspect of it. Morgan seemed to be living in some kind of tent canvas creation. Althea's obviously really transient in terms of she goes where her van goes and in a way I think she's the kind of one who is tying the groups together, her and Morgan. And I did laugh and love that Strand has ended up in a Texas mansion with a wine cellar. Um, It reminded me hugely of the place they ended up at the end of season two. Um, I can't remember what they called it but the the kind of Mexican villa that they were staying in for a long time so it was quite interesting to see that uh, kind of mirrored but in a sort of the Mexico ranch was very I remember the colours were very vivid, it was very sort of yellows and fire colours and obviously because it went on fire so that's not surprising (laughs) Um, and this was quite uh, desolate It, it felt like it had been abandoned it felt like a desolate kind of place to be so it was a nice contrast to show how much time had passed so I enjoyed seeing all the different setups and how they're still communicating and still sort of orbiting each other but not necessarily living together Mm -hmm. Um, and also Alicia within that choosing to live on her own in the greenhouse 
which was quite telling about the state of mind that she was in. So that I, I like that. I like that kind of world building that they did there. Yeah, I think the mansion is perfect for Strain because, as he says at one point, I used to be a millionaire, and yeah. he he seems like the kind of guy where when he's uh, particularly wounded or you know in retreating mm-hmm. from life that or not his best self or whatever that he'll uh, kind of take comfort in superficial ple- pleasures of life. And of course that place is so opulent and everything and it has mm-hmm. a extensive wine cellar and yeah. it's just fun to see him. Ah, fuck it, man. I'm just going to enjoy. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I would probably do the same thing. In fact, I kind of do that at home. Like if I'm not in a great mood or whatever, I'll just like bury myself in, the luxuries of life around here, whether that's yeah. watching TV, surfing the net or have a drink or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Shooting zombies out the window with a glass of wine in <laughs> yeah. your hand, which by the way is my mood for the week. I'm like, yes, I'm on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's actually, Oh, he says to Luciana, doesn't he like, you know, we're, we're in the same place, but I'm going to enjoy myself while yeah. being despondent. He's like, we're asking the same things, but I'm going to enjoy myself while I do it. And like you, I think that's, it's a nice, it feels more like the strand we'd gotten to know in earlier seasons, yes. which is quite nice. Absolutely. Yeah. I, and I like that when they get the character, the old characters, right. That's good. Although I don't totally buy it because she's at, she's sort of like, well, what, what am I doing? What, where should I be? What is my purpose basically? And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, I got the same questions, but really he's not going to be able to address those questions and uh, properly until he sobers up, I would say. I would say also a warning to all Zed heads out there, do not get drunk and fight Zeds. It's not a good idea. You will get bitten or right. hurt. These are not realistic depictions of drunk people fighting zombies. Yeah, to yeah. Watch those, you'll want to tune into what happens in Glasgow on a Sunday night on some of the dodgier streets. But, you know, don't, don't drink try that at home. If, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to be fighting zombies, you should probably. Although I've, I've found that if I have one or two beers, I can kill more zombies. And then if I have like a few more, then I'm, I just die and get eaten. So you have to find yeah, it's that like it's, special line. Yeah. It's that Dutch courage versus <laughs> bad judgment, which I think, you know, we, we would have to experiment extensively on this, but you know, we'll, we'll figure it out and we'll get back to you guys with an update <laughs> on how much it is safe to drink in Zed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll do some tests. Any yep. volunteers, just write to me, brains at podcasting.com. <laughs> okay, uh, my number, well, oh, I did want to ask, so why do you think, oops, it is obvious that some time has passed, especially I liked when Strand was like, oh, I think I saw Alicia in the uh, greenhouse last week, I don't know. So it's yeah. like they've been there for a while, but what makes you say about a month? Because, and I do have a reason for this, um, when John and June are talking and she says you'll be able to fish again soon. He says you've caught more fish than I have over this last month. Oh, okay. There you Which go. made me think. But it was, there were some, actually, I don't know if it was just me, but there were some lines in this episode that kind of dropped a bit for me. Like some of the dialogue, I was like, sorry, what did you say? So I had to go back and listen to a couple of things again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I only picked up the second time round. Mm-hmm. Um, so he mentions that and they mention Alicia... The way they spoke about her having moved out of the main house or never having moved in just gave me a sense that it was a sizable period of time. And like you say, they mentioned last week. So I'm thinking about a month, maybe a little more. Yeah, that seems right. That line, yeah, I agree, is really telling. I miss that. And it seems like a good amount of time where uh, they've had a chance to sort of settle into their new digs, but not really Mm -hmm. get over what happened 
you know, it's not, yeah. not long enough. And, oh, and I did love how they all, <clears throat> it, it doesn't really make sense that they would all be in a camp together because these people don't really know each other that well for the most part. And no. so they all kind of, like I said, they're reeling from what just happened. And so they're all, they're all separate, but I think you use the word orbiting. They're close enough where they're in, mm -hmm. they can be in quick contact with one another, but it wouldn't really mm -hmm. make sense for the story necessarily for them to be a tight knit group yet. But I think we're no. going to see that happen. That's my sense, right? We're going to find out why and how they would decide to stick together. For sure. And I think like the way they were facilitating with the um, radios and things like that worked really well. Um, it was almost like Morgan was doing the rounds of visiting neighbors, like checking in on everyone. And I <laughs> like that as a setup. So, yeah, completely mm -hmm. agree. Yeah, because Morgan, it seems like, um, well, I'm, I'm stepping on my own top five. So let me just go to my number five right now, which is that it. Morgan wants to go back to Alexandria. And mm -hmm. I like how they opened with him killing zeds and searching their pockets i think he's just trying to pick up some supplies for his trip mm -hmm. and we see him lining up his take plus i think it's everything he owns his like travel <laughs> bag right they had um they'd actually shared that on i think instagram as like guess whose bag this is <laughs> and there was i don't know how many british listeners we actually have but there was this awful game show i think it's still on sometimes called the generation game and one of the games at the end was there was a conveyor belt of things and the things, if you could remember all the things and name them, you won them. So I sort of did a mini generation game of Morgan's bag and I was touched to see that among other things, um, he had his popcorn socks from John Dory were there. Nice. Uh, along with his Art of Peace and two peanut protein bars, which we know are his favourites. So right. And that's what Michonne stole from him, I think. It was indeed. So clearly <laughs> he still had two left. Um, but yeah, there was some, that's the impression I got was that he was, stripping them for it looked like materials bandages that kind of thing mm -hmm. so it made sense in that respect yeah he's getting ready for his trip that's how you that's how you get ready in the apocalypse exactly just like <laughs> tear some zeds down and mug them <laughs> mug some zeds and uh i like that he decided decided to go back because he's mm. in a a good place uh, mentally and i think he's well he says in this episode oh i was wrong you know rick no, he didn't name rick but rick told him you know you're gonna be um gravitating towards people and he didn't mm -hmm. believe rick but now he wants to go back and tell him he's right and he's he's uh feeling sorry that he just left without telling anyone where he's going and where he was going so the the reasons I like that is because it has a respect for his history in the story. We don't just mm -hmm. say, forget about that. It also, uh, we can get an, uh, because I'm sure we've already seen the beginnings of it, that this plan will be derailed because Morgan is yes. not on The Walking Dead. But uh, no. they're going to address, okay, doesn't it make sense that he might, you know, want to bring people back there? Well, yeah, mm -hmm. it does make sense. So now we're going to find out why he doesn't. So I'm glad that they're not just ignoring that, but they're uh, going to address it. Yeah, I, th I think I'm better. I think I feel better about it having spoken to you about it just there because my initial instinct was when he said, I'm going to go back to Alexandria, was like, no, stay separate, don't. But then, like you say, the reasoning does make sense. And I'm glad we both agree that it's not happening. Like, it's obviously yeah, going to get. No, <laughs> it's obviously. No or he's going to turn up as his friend or one of his friends is going through some horrible death and everything is burning to the ground or something in typical Morgan fashion, you know, walk in like, uh oh, things escalated when I wasn't here. Um yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. It's gonna be I think it's gonna be gonna end up being about his choice to stay 
rather yes. than a choice to leave. I mean, and that's interesting to me. It seemed pretty clear in this episode that uh, in his mindset is, oh wow, Rick was right. Like I, I gravitate towards people, and I'm going to go back and be with my people. And when Alicia says to him, well, he says to Alicia, you know, hey you want to save people will strand and Luciana need your help right now. And she's yeah. like, maybe you should stay and help all of us. Well, that's it. I think that he's going to realize that he's needed there yeah. and he is there. So let's stay here and be of help to these new people. I think that's where it's going. I mean, the only reason so. why that's, it might be too predictable at this point, but that's what it seems like. A couple of criticisms I read, and I think actually we spoke about it vaguely last uh, last half season, was the idea that Morgan's going to become the lead. I'm hoping that doesn't necessarily play out as simply as that. I think he's going to take a more prominent role, but I'm hoping that it becomes it is more of an ensemble than just becoming Morgan as the leader, because I don't think Morgan is a leader, and I don't think he's necessarily a leading man, but I think he's going to be important in the way the group gels together. So I'm yeah I'm I'm hesitating a little bit in the thought that he's gonna out and out replace Madison because I don't think that's quite the right position to put him in. But mm-hmm. I'll be glad to have him stick around and to have him kind of gel this group a little bit more. Well, do you think that a group like this, let's say they do end up being a tight knit group, does it need one person to be signified as the leader or not? I hope I don't think so, and I hope mm-hmm. the writers don't think so either, because. I think that's the issue is if it gets written that way that there has to be this kind of leading person. It's almost what we're seeing in the main show with the chat about who's going to be lead when X, Y, and Z happens. And that kind of bothers me because this to me is quite a strong ensemble and I think it would be good to keep it that way. Um, And it would certainly... I think it would make Madison's passing a little easier if it wasn't a case of in with one and out with another, if that Mm. makes sense. Yeah, it does. I mean, I could see it, the story going either way. I guess if I had, if we did decide the group needs a leader and I had to pick one, I would probably pick Alicia. I think she's, from what we've seen, the most qualified mm. or the and she's earned it. Has the makeup for that, based on what we for saw, sure. you know, in season three with her. But uh, for I, sure, I don't know. I, I could see them. It seems like to me that they are steering Morgan that way. But we'll see. I, I agree but, with you. you. Know, I would think I would like it better if it wasn't so cut and dried like that. Ah, and checking in on our weekly Morganometer, he's currently at like, did we was one or ten crazy? I don't remember which one it was, but either way, he's at the very rational level of yeah. the Morgan spectrum. And he's got to go swinging back to the other one at some point, at least halfway. So that's something that I think will play out over the next few weeks. Because, I know. I kind of hope know, so too, I guess, even though my criticism with him is that it's been a little bit too back and forth, that um, mm-hmm. he's, well, fuck, I don't know. I mean, I... I, I I appreciate him more when he's more together and peaceful, but um, mm-hmm. he's pretty interesting when he's totally batshit crazy too. <laughs> Lenny James plays it wonderfully. Like yeah. both of them, he plays it really well. And I think there is part of me that's like, well, that's the kind of ticking time bomb with Morgan is he's had this like quiet period where not a lot has happened and he's able right. to like look at his book. And the minute things, the pressure starts to build, you start to wonder what's going to happen next. And for all that I've said, I don't want Morgan to become like the leading character. I do stand by what I said last um, se- last half season about Morgan doing well when he's helping people. And I think that's something that will keep him grounded for a while, hopefully. Yeah, like he's needed we'll here. See. He really is because mm-hmm. uh, him and John and uh, 
who else? The, and Althea. Those are the three characters that uh, are feel the most together to me. And I think part mm-hmm. of that is because they didn't have as big of a tie to Madison. Yes. And they weren't invested. And so, um, oh, I forget where I was going with this, but anyway, they're, they're, they're the most like steady right now. For sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's your number four? I'll follow on from you, actually. I liked Morgan and Alicia as a dynamic. Um, I thought it was interesting to see Morgan's mentor role play out with uh, a female character rather than a male character because we've seen him establish these kind of father-son relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, he attempted it with the wolves in Alexandria. Um, mm-hmm. Or he was on the brother. other side of it with uh, the cheesemaker. Yeah, he was on the other side. So it's always been quite a, a male thing. Um, not in any kind of specifically gendered way. It just it, it's happened to be that way. And I think actually Alicia's embodying a lot of her mum's strength in this episode. The way she was at the fence when we first see her, I thought she did an amazing job of conjuring up a bit of both Nick and Madison. She was sort of like Nick when she was manically focused on the Zeds and, and getting them to her. But the way she was speaking to... Morgan really reminded me of Madison's mannerisms, the way she was like, you know, can't, I'm busy, I'm doing something, sort of thing. So I like that dynamic with Alicia there, and I thought that she and Morgan are actually playing off pretty well with one another. And I think she has the ability to ask him quite probing questions, because she's smart and she's able to turn the tables back on him. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't give a fuck either, like she's not the kind of person who's not going to say what's on her mind. Exactly. So I'm I'm looking forward to Morgan and Alicia in this season because I'm getting the feeling that this episode was actually setting up the partnerships that we're going to see for the next few episodes and everyone's kind of grouped off and it looks like Morgan and Alicia are going to be one of those sort of groups and I think that will be a good one to see. I think they bring out a different side to one another and I enjoyed the scenes that they had together, mm-hmm. particularly the uh, logging Zeds where they dropped all the timber on top of them. I thought that was particularly effective way of killing lots of zombies. So they got some points for that as well. Yeah, I've really grown to like. I always, you know, I never didn't like Alicia's character, but mm. as the series has gone on, I've grown to really dig her. You know, and because she has a strength, and um, she has kind of a jaded or blaséness or something almost a dark mm-hmm. it gets kind of dark sometimes i find that interesting yeah <laughs> she reminds me a little of a kind of darker maggie in a way because when we first meet mm. maggie she's got um her younger sister is like off being a teenage girl and not really coping very well with the apocalypse and her father is this really strong figure and maggie's kind of just keeping it all together and i think there's a bit of that with alicia as well because you know her brother when we first see her, she's caring for her brother who's going through withdrawal. Her mom is this really strong figure in her life, but she's very preoccupied with her brother. And you get the sense that Alicia's really stood on her own two feet for quite a lot of her life. And yeah. I think that's what makes her so endearing to watch yeah, now is that right. she does have the strength to get through this. She's kind of been left to fend for herself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the way we're watching her grieve is really interesting. You know, her her desire to find this person and save him and almost in tribute to her mum, was really just quite powerful to watch. And the way that she played that moment where she saw him and her face fell and Morgan could really just tell what this actually meant to her in that moment. 
I thought that was a really powerful scene to play, mm-hmm. um, particularly for a zombie who we've got really no emotional investment in whatsoever. So <laughs> I thought that was a nice one. <laughs> it wasn't about him. That's a thing. It was. It was exactly. her. I felt kind of compulsion to carry on her mom's legacy mm-hmm. for Absolutely. some reason. Which, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I like that too. And her last scene with Morgan, she's. I've written. Uh, Alicia shouts. I said I'll be fine. Brackets. I don't think she's going to. Be fine. So I think Morgan's going to follow yeah. her. she can't be cured that quickly. We have a half season no. left to go, but it's uh, that fits too. I mean, we've seen her run off on her own a couple of times before too. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, Carol and Morgan is one I did think of though. That was always a good pairing. That was a good one. Yeah. Um, because they're both so dynamic and powerful in different ways that was always a good one when they i mean they physically fought at one point as well didn't they they had a proper set too and um that was an interesting one so hopefully there'll be a bit of that kind of spark with alicia and morgan as well so if you want to see them see her smack him in the face yeah we can definitely take bets and then (laughs) see who wins and who loses (laughs) Uh, she's got her signature weapon now it's that shard of a gun muzzle thing or whatever it was <laughs> i was thinking that like it's a signature weapon i don't really have a noun to describe it i'm like it's her thing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> okay my turn mm-hmm. all right my number four is uh how the situation on the show is kind of like the situation of the people in the show there's a couple of different ways so at one point, Alicia talking to Morgan says, I got a lot to make up for. Morgan says, I do too, which I think is sort of a setup for them to maybe try and be a little bit more um, helpful and mm-hmm. optimistic and everything. Um, but uh, then, you know, Morgan says, I just mentioned this of Strand and Luciana. You know, you can save them mm-hmm. like your mom did. You can just be there for them. Alicia said, well, you could be there for us too. And that's like the show where... Uh, it's setting up reasons for Morgan to stay and Mm -hmm. these people need Morgan. And you could argue, well, yeah, the show needs Morgan too. He can't go off to Alexandria because fear the walking dead. I mean, maybe (laughs) it doesn't, but you know, it's Mm -hmm. better off with him there. I would say, don't you think? I think so. I I, I did worry. There was part of me that worried that what we'll see is Morgan die. Not soon, but I just, you know, I was like, well, he's obviously not going to get back to Alexandria. Well, that would be ridiculous at this point with all this fanfare about the crossover and then he right? <laughs> dies off. I'd be like, all right, podcast over. <laughs> I'll be like, uh, Jason will not be appearing today. <laughs> or <mood>. ever again. <laughs> he dropped the mic and walked out. <laughs> and then the other one that where the story is similar to the state of the show, in my opinion, is these people have um, just undergone this huge traumatic event and now they need to pick up the pieces of their shattered mm. lives and figure out how to move forward, what their new purpose is. And it's the same thing with the show. Like the new yeah. showrunners and the story, new storyline is like a bomb just went off on our show. And now we need to find out, okay, how can we pick up the pieces of what is left of the old show and the new things that have come in and find a new purpose and direction for it and go that way and see if it can be successful. So the characters are having the same kind of um, thing as the show in general. Yeah, I think that's totally right. I enjoy that as a point. I think that's- Me too. I mean, I enjoy that in the show. Like right now, it's not clear what this show is, what the direction's going to be. But uh, it's an interesting, um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to find out. Yeah, I think it's um I I've kind of had 
sort of I hadn't missed the show. I'd missed podcasting, but I hadn't missed it. And when it was coming back, I was almost like, oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> cool. forgot that's coming back. It felt like it felt like an end. It felt like a season finale almost. Last um, the last episode that we covered. So I went into it a bit cold today. Not necessarily like. Yeah, I was just like, oh yeah, this is back on. Okay. And it did it did pull me back in. I think it's also been difficult because so much of the news has been main show related. So mm. in that sense, Fear the Walking Dead hasn't had as much of a hype up. But after what I saw in this episode, I'm I'm optimistic again, which is a nice position to be in with the show, I think. So Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you do a podcast about it. I know, I was going to say, actually, Jason, I really hate this show because this podcast is something different. <laughs> <laughs> you could hate watch it. Uh, yeah. I, I, I um, probably wasn't exactly in that same position because we did our Comic-Con episode a couple of weeks or so ago and, mm. and we uh, talked about the trailer. So I've been, you know, thinking about it because we were examining the trailer. But otherwise, yeah. The trailer was uh, the trailer was quite funny. I recall there were some kind some of funny parts, bits. Yeah. There, so mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to hopefully next week or pretty soon meeting some of the new characters that they showed in the trailer. Cause that looked good. Yes. I'm intrigued to see some new faces. I think that will be interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. What's your, what? Four, three, four, three. I think three. I'm going to go for, well, one of mine was really just about grief. So I think that probably ties into what you were saying about the show having undergone a huge change. I don't really have anything profound to say about it, but you do, I completely agree that you get this feeling that they are in shock. They're kind of grieving the passing of something and sort of dealing with the aftermath of it. I like the way that the grief manifested itself for Alicia, as I mentioned, this kind of tribute to her mum. It was interesting to see how it affected Strand and Luciana because they were two characters who I wouldn't necessarily ever put together. But I suppose in some ways they had similar relationships with Nick not in terms of like you know sexual but also in terms of Strand and Nick that was his way into the Madison uh the the Clark family yeah I mean I think it could just be right down to the simple fact that they're the only two left who were in the group before and Alicia too but she's determined to be off Mm -hmm. on her own and they've I think even within that the two of them were not peripheral to the family because you make your own zombie apocalypse family, but they were not <laughs> blood related. So it was this it's this thing where they were like taken in by Madison and mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting to see them together in that way. And I thought Luciana's grief has taken, I would say, quite an annoying form where she's sort of lying on a sofa drinking wine and listening to records. And I mean, we've all been there for sure. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> again, guys, doing that. And getting put into a trance when someone behind you is fighting a zombie for their life is maybe not the most productive thing to do in the zombie yeah. apocalypse. On the other hand, if you're not going to do it then, then when are you going to do it? <laughs> right. um, I can understand it. That uh, that scene that you just mentioned, um, there was part of me that was like, oh man, this is a great setup. But on the other hand, yeah. it was so unrealistic. Unless you had earbuds in. You were gonna That's when she didn't have headphones in. I was like, yeah. Oh. So it did, just because of that little practical thing, it, it, my suspension yeah. of disbelief was not suspended anymore, and I couldn't enjoy, File that fully enjoy it. <laughs> and also, much though I'm loath to bring her up, Charlie is grieving as well. I think Charlie's not in a good place. Absolutely. Um, oh yeah. She's very regretful of what she did, and I think, think so? that. I think. I mean, so. I do too, I think, but. Yeah. I think so. I think John managed to communicate quite well with her about it. 
but I'm not sure what her end game is at the moment. Like, I know she came to give that book to Luciana to leave that book there. And I think you're right that the book kind of stands in as a, an apology. But I'm not sure where she was planning on going from there. If she felt that that was closure or she was going to run away or... I'm intrigued to see where that goes. And also they, they imply heavily that she's kind of become mute. She doesn't really speak anymore. So that was something that I thought was well done in a lot of ways because I think sometimes in the main show the younger characters haven't always had to live with the consequences of what they've done um, either because Carol shot them in the head or because they've been written in such a way that it doesn't really come up so I'm intrigued to see how that plays out yeah that's a good point yeah I mean I will like her a lot better if she's very sorry about what she did (laughs) <laughs> I, I feel like she will be when she starts talking again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hopefully. Okay. My number three, uh, we've talked a lot about, so I won't go through the whole thing, but it's just the state of the characters after Madison's death and how everyone mm. is, is coping. And I think we've gone over mm-hmm. a lot of them. Um, we didn't talk about June. So June is, she she's not really coping with that, but just where she is now that things are settling in and it's clear that, John wants to take her back to the cabin with Charlie and be a little nuclear family. And Mm -hmm. she's afraid she's sort of like, Oh, I'm a runner. Like I'm afraid. I don't know. I might, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's like um, Althea's trying to convince her, well, you're here, you're, you're nursing John right now. Maybe that's who you are. But um, it feels like, Oh man, she might break John's heart again. Mm, I know. I got such an interesting situation with her because it just felt like we were getting to know a completely new character in some ways even the way that Althea spoke to her which I thought was quite interesting because she was did quite investigative tactics where she was like you know well some people spoke about Naomi and others spoke about Laura I don't really know anything about June and although it was quite on the nose I think it was it was a nice thing for her to point out for the audience. I liked it. And the way that June sort of said, you know, June, my name is June. It's like she's getting used to thinking of herself in that way again. Right. So I think there's stuff still to build up there, but I think we did see quite a vulnerable side of her in this episode, the way that she was looking to Althea for reassurance or information or just help and advice, because they're two characters who really didn't, speak or interact in the last half season Mm -hmm. they were kind of in the same group but i don't think we ever saw an out and out interaction between the two of them so again if this is the two that are together for the next couple of episodes i'm pretty up for that i think that'll be good i mean one thing that we i think do know about june is that she's a bit skittish and that she's elusive Mm -hmm. and she's you know she's like the deer that you want to go up and give some food to but if you move too fast she'll run away kind of like that i think i think so a little bit there was something in it that reminded me slightly of yeah it reminded me slightly of michonne though in that she's lost a child but she seems to be forming a bond with charlie it's very important and that (laughs) might anchor her a little bit because she was very good with charlie and she was like you know i want you to think about maybe telling me what went on out there and that i think was a turning point for michonne as well in the main show when she started holding judith and becoming part of that that seemed to kind of take away that sense of i need to do this on my own i need to be a loner kind of thing so it's it's tentative like you say maybe she'll run away next episode i don't know but um it's yeah interesting i mean when the shit's going down she's Mm -hmm. right there uh doing what needs to be done to help 
And mm-hmm. I think it's more in the calmer moments when she gets yes. nervous. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I can totally sympathize with that. When there's a crisis, I'm like, yes. Yeah. And then when there's nothing to worry about, I'm like, oh, God. Oh, what's wrong? <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. Oh, what, what should I worry about? I don't know <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah that's mm-hmm. that's kind of her nailed. Uh I was thinking, um, you know, as far as th- how people are coping and, and, and uh, Morgan was coping by this. Well, not really coping, but deciding to go back to Alexandria and John wants to go to the cabin. But I loved the scenes between the two of them because they've become friends and those two thing you know they both want to hang out with each other still so morgan's trying to convince john to go to alexandria john's trying to convince morgan not to and he's like well why don't you just at least stay for dinner and now i gotta pack well come and say goodbye and all this that was really touching and and then when john said you know i have everything i need uh, right here and looked over at june it was just a nice moment between the two of them it was very cute and i also thought yeah if you go back to alexandria Mm -hmm. uh it really is that Morgan. Do you want to take anyone anywhere near Rick Grimes? I don't. I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> if you if you care about someone, don't bring them into a group with Rick Grimes. Yeah, I did worry for John at that point it, that he might actually go back. Yeah, I was like, John, no, <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> don't do <laughs> it's it. It's crazy. It was a it was a great little interaction between him and Morgan, though. I felt it was really earned. Although I did laugh a little bit when Morgan said something like, we've been through a lot together, haven't we, John? And I was like, well, I mean, yeah, you've been through some stuff. Like, I a couple say, of things. Like, a lot, a lot. A couple of things, <laughs> maybe. But it was very cute, and I approve of their romance. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Nice. Okay, number two. Number two, I'm going to go for um, who we are versus what we do. I think that was quite interesting that a lot of people in this episode mention things like who am I now or what what can I do how can I behave um Alicia's struggles with what she was good at before what she was good at now how that relates to what her mum built at the stadium I wasn't that interaction with Morgan actually I was a little bit confused about it um because Alicia's kind of saying did she say she was out there at the wrong time because she talks about we were good at doing whatever we had to do. I was good at that. Um, and then they start talking about Madison and how she changed. Um, the stadium changed her or changed the way she was. And that was a good thing. And I thought that was quite an interesting conversation for the two of them to have because I wasn't quite sure what the point was, like what Alicia is trying to get to or what she's yeah, coming back from. Yeah, because it sounded like they were saying, you know, back when Madison used to save people, but she was still saving people when she got to the stadium, so I was confused exactly. by that. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because that was very much about what you do, and then there was a nice interaction between Althea and June where, like what we were just saying, June says, I'm the woman who got scared and ran away, and not just from John. Um, You know, I'm not Laura. And Al kind of says the care that you've given him and the way that you've nursed him back to health and the actions that you've taken, they're who you are. And that's what's most important. So it's almost like our actions define us more than anything else in this world. And I like that. And it made me think that maybe this, like you're saying, people have a chance in this second half of the season, showrunners and writers as well as actors, to (laughs) impress us with their actions or prove themselves through their actions rather than our expectations and that would that to me was nice and I think like Strand and Luciana are on the verge of 
changing their behaviour back to kind of being functioning members of the group now. And obviously John Dory's a man who lives by his decisions to live in an honourable way or make decisions and that kind of thing. And that's quite... It's just it's a theme that I think runs through both shows, but for me it was strong in this episode and something that I appreciated a lot was the idea of actions and behaviours and how they help us. And in, I think Charlie takes that on board as well in seeking out Luciana and bringing the book and listening to what John had to say. So for me that was my number two, was the idea of what we do versus what we think we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for Charlie... Uh... I think for someone who doesn't talk, that's a little simpler because you don't ever say anything that's contradictory to what you do. So there is only kind of what you do. <laughs> Charlie, what you are is creepy, silent, and a bit strange. <laughs> that's what I've learned. <laughs> okay. My number two is a little uh, simple, but it's fun. Drunk Strand. I really liked oh, yes. just dr- him being totally blasted throughout the whole episode because it was fun to watch and I liked how he casually tells Morgan, ah, yeah, there's a breach in the fence. Sorry about that. And then he yeah. ends up actually going out and trying to fix it later, but it's this totally rinky dink wire fence. And he goes, that should do it. Let's go Can back to the cellar. Can we just have a moment about how shit that fence was? Yeah. <laughs> He's looking at it like, I think that was the guys, point. Guys, that's a terrible fence. He's like, that, that'll be fine. Let's go back to the wine cellar. <laughs> and Luciana's just like, life is pointless. And he's like, ah, the fence is fine. Yeah, no, that was good. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. Giving um, Coleman Domingo something like that to play is is great because he's going to, he knocked it out of the park. <laughs> okay, number one. Number one. Um, my number one was actually Althea. Uh, even though she was on it just briefly, um, I like her as a character. I just there's something about her that I find really appealing. I enjoyed the way she was with June. I thought it balanced her comfort with being the interrogator and the investigator and the journalist with her discomfort at being asked to kind of speak from the heart or off the record. And I thought the little insight we got into her real self, or you know her actual opinions about things or even just part of her lived experience when she said yesterday's yesterday today's today god knows if there will be a tomorrow and how that related to her mother i just thought well that's a nice insight into althea and something that we may find out about her further down the line Mm -hmm. and i also love that she was willing to go with morgan i thought that was really cute that she would go with him to alexandria on that journey i think she was a really good person for morgan to ask to go back because Mm-hmm. she is she does kind of seem to have her shit together and she has an awesome uh, transport probably the best one you could ask for and she mm-hmm. also would have the motivation because she likes meeting new people and finding out their stories and she's probably curious about the king and the tiger and everything so for sure that made a lot of sense absolutely and i think she's the way that as a journalist she tries to be impartial and Morgan kind of tries to be impartial as well. That makes the two of them quite a nice combination of they both seem to be checking in on people and doing the rounds and seeing what's what. And I like that about them both. And I'm just, I'm, I'm so delighted that Maggie Grace is so good in that role and that she doesn't yeah. feel annoying because on paper that character yeah. could be really annoying. Um, yeah. But in the way that she's playing her For is actually quite sympathetic. So I enjoyed that. Yeah, not not just the fact that it's Maggie Grace. Maggie um, Grace, yeah. I thought... 
and yeah, I thought it was interesting the way that she spoke to June about talking, helping. She says, you know, I've got my motives for wanting you to talk, but maybe it would also help you. And that mirrors what John is saying to Charlie um, when they're playing Scrabble together is, you know, maybe it would help if you spoke about it. I found somebody to talk to. It brought me back to the world. So Althea as a conduit of that is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a good if she's going to be the person who wants everyone's story, then they're going to need to use that to the fullest mm-hmm. for the story. But uh, some people I think feel like, Oh, she's, she's a mystery. When are we going to find out what makes her tick and all this? And I, I get that. I mean, I, but I also think that it, it's okay if some characters are just a little more emotionally healthy and mm-hmm. maybe um, there's not, some dark secret that we're going to find out. Like, you know, when we found out that Madison killed her father, I was almost a little disappointed in that. Like, did we really need that? For sure. We don't need everyone to be, to have something like that. There can just be someone who's just kind of a cool person who has their shit Mm -hmm. together. (laughs) Exactly. They're like, I was quite emotionally healthy. Then the zombie apocalypse happened. And now, you know, things are tough, but I'm getting there. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom and dad love me and I was Victorian. Okay. I had a great childhood. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. My number one is the storm and a couple other things with, with the zombies. Now I thought this was a a cool idea to have a storm ravaging the area and whipping uh, walkers away and everything. But Mm -hmm. uh, it was goofy the way it was presented. I I did laugh a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) Especially because sometimes there was heavy winds, but, nothing in the area was being that disturbed and then one would just fly off <laughs> there and was a particularly funny one near the end where he kind of just popped up and sort of his arms sort of went way and he sort of disappeared <laughs> it almost looked like it was made to be funny and it was like yeah. there was some uh, like magneto or somebody with telekinetic powers right off the screen just <laughs> zipping them away or something hey, it we just... don't know that's not what happened <laughs> <laughs> i know it could be uh, so I think it was a good idea, but the execution made it feel a little goofy to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. At the ones where it was at the end ramming against Althea's truck. I couldn't mm-hmm. decide whether I liked that or not. I think it's a fun idea. It's raining Zeds, but. Uh, Hallelujah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and then uh, we already mentioned the one of Strand fighting the. Mm-hmm. Zed behind Luciana while she was listening to music. I thought that was goofy. And then he said, these mm-hmm. grapes were not meant for wrath. And I'm like, do I like nah. that line? Or is it just a little trying a little too hard? Nah, it's Strand. <laughs> if anyone was going to say that, it would be Strand. I mean, it he quoted him. like okay. Chekhov to an astronaut. He gets away with that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. And then when um, Alicia uh, somehow cut that wood that was like hanging from a forklift or something and it crashed mm-hmm. all the Zeds, I actually kind of liked that. That was fun. I liked, I looked up, it reminded me of, um, you know, those, I, I looked up, it's called a Rube Goldberg machine. You know, when you set oh, one thing those, off yeah. and it sets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think she hit something and then like water seemed to come out of something and then it fell. And I was like, <laughs> I wouldn't even know how to start making that work. That's really cool. I'm just <laughs> picturing a Rube Goldberg now where like there's a Zed in a cage that somehow opens <laughs> and just a few feet away is like a cat hanging from a rope, you know, and of course he goes over and eats it and that causes the next thing. 
Uh, trigger warning for cats. Sorry. Guys. <laughs> I'm a cat lover, but I love oh. zombies more. So You know that the cat would really fuck the zombie up as well. You never see zombie cats, guys, and there's a reason because they're too damn quick. Um, no, I, that would be amazing. A zombie Rube Goldberg. Yeah. I, would, I would be here for that. <laughs> Somebody make that. All right. Time for notes. What do you got? Yeah, a few actually. Um, neither of us mentioned the box. Um that they find on the road oh with all the stuff in it i thought yeah yeah what was it that it just says take what you need leave what you don't see you further up the road and i had a again <laughs> clearly i had a lot to do today because i spent a lot of time freeze framing things and looking at small objects it was water toys protein bar dried food and a knife in that box and it looked like it hadn't been out there that long so maybe that's something that we come back to maybe we won't i don't know that might be another thing that's sort of a metaphor for the series. The showrunners yeah. are like, we'll take what we need, we'll leave what we don't. Yes, we'll see further up the road. road. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Al says, you know, there might be a story here. Yeah, again, possibly the showrunners. Um, so the box was interesting. Uh, I don't think that a 1966 Bordeaux wine or whatever would be a screw top, but that's just suspension. Oh, was it? Really? Uh, yeah, he was drinking a screw top at one point. He's, like, he's wasted. Yeah, he's, he's like, this is a 66. About. I'm like, is it hell? <laughs> That's um, two buck chuck, buddy. Yeah, the opening screen was the Zeds walking huddled over in the storm. So I, quite I still like those opening screens. They're quite fun. Uh-huh, and it had storm clouds of brewing too with lightning. Exactly. I thought there was a little shout out to Nick when they went to the library to look for Charlie because Nick took Luciana to the library in um, the first half of the mm-hmm. season. So that was cute. And I think, I wasn't no... he the one who gave her the book too? The... No, it was Luciana that gave oh, her the book. Oh, she did, okay. Yeah, because I, I wondered about that as well, but I think she was actually the one who was more welcoming well, the first Well, that time changes around. everything then. I don't know if I would consider that an apology as much. It could almost be like, I don't need your book. I, I mean, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Luciana opens it and it just says, fuck you in Scrabble letters. <laughs> yeah, she wrote it and signed it. <laughs> yeah speaking of scrabble i've written that uh, john makes a scrabble board and with it no oh. man in my life will ever compare to this beautiful engaging wonderful sensitive human who has the board memorized so i need him in my i need a john dory in my I life just, this episode had me. like peak john dory oh just like <laughs> compassionate fatherly john mm-hmm. dory making his own scrabble board and oh i just couldn't i couldn't even deal with it um <laughs> i like the strandisms uh, when he said to, was it to John, nice to see you ambulatory again or something? That was, that was <laughs> I loved when he opened the door for John and he was dragging that Zed by the foot and he goes, you caught me doing a little light housekeeping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was I my think favorite. the two of them are going to be an amazing duo because Strand is so off the wall and John is so straight laced in a lot of ways. Yeah. And like he's quirky, but in a different kind of way. So he's more earnest. Yeah. Uh huh. Because yeah, John's a very you know, Strand is the showman. John is very much John, and that's interesting. Could and the be good. You know, John's planning for the future, and Strand's like, uh huh. And what next? And what next? And yeah. what happens then? And please like, just let Strand live a while longer. I, I I would hate to see him go at this point. I don't think he'll go. I hope not. not yet. Then again, I thought Madison was going to be alive, so you know, <laughs> listen to me. Um, the only other things I had were. The, there's a scene with the birds kind of flying up in the air. I'm pretty sure there's a scene like that in the season 9 trailer for The Walking Dead. I um, thought that was quite interesting. Mm. And 
the books, we spoke a little about The Little Prince. Um, when you look behind Charlie in the bus, she's in front of a copy of The Yearling, which is a book I'm not hugely familiar with, but I looked it up and it seems to be about a young guy and a kind of wild horse as a pet. So it's I think one of the listeners and... has an email all about that. Great. Later that on. means that I'm going to get to it and it's going to be like, it is categorically not about a young boy <laughs> or a horse. You've just made that up. So <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they talk about that. So, And I love the zombies as well. Um, I was look, with yeah. you on that one as well, even if they were a bit goofy. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Do you have notes also? Just a couple. Uh, one thing, it's pretty obvious, but the uh, they've got that washed out film tone. And so it looks like they're going to stick with that mm-hmm. for present day. As we're, if you remember... Mm-hmm. When they showed yeah. flashbacks in the season, um, first half, it would be more a vivid color, but then it was washed out later and now it's all present day. So, uh, yeah. you know, maybe it'll look like that. I think it's really cool cinematically, but it's possible maybe it'll get subtly more vivid as they find their paths or something. But who knows? Mm, I would be fine with it I if wonder, it just stuck yeah. like this, right? Yeah, I think it works with it kind of being wintry as well. Mm. I mean, I'm assuming it's wintry because they all look like they're wearing warmer clothes. But, you know, my sense of that is completely off. But I think you're right. I think they should stick with it. I think it would be a good kind of washed out look for them. Mm-hmm. This Differentiate season. it. And then mm-hmm. uh, what else? We, we we touched on everything else, but just one line from John Dory that I loved is when he was talking about, you know, showing Charlie the Scrabble board. And he said, mm-hmm. I made some extra Z's in case you had a hankering for pizza. Word wise. <laughs> oh, I missed that. That's so cute. I liked when um, they were talking about going back to the cabin and John was like, well, I locked the door. <laughs> Just like, oh, John, you sweet, naive angel. That's so cute. Oh. You think it's still okay? Well, I locked the door. I locked the door. So what do you think? Like, <laughs> And the only other note I had down there was that I'm worried about batteries. Like, they seem to be getting through a lot of batteries. Like, I don't know how Althea is keeping her camera going, but... Who knows? At least at the the house, they gave a logical explanation for why they've got power because we saw the solar panels. But I do worry that the documentary is going to get cut short at some point. Mm-hmm. It's we'll possible. <laughs> That'd be interesting. All right. That's good. We'll take a little break. There is more to come. So stay with us. All right, it's, uh, we're back. It's time to talk about our one and only sponsor of the week. That is Fracture. What is a Fracture? I'm sure most of you have never heard. So let me tell you what it is. It's a picture, a frame, and a mount all combined into one beautiful, lasting product. Mm-hmm. And it features your stuff, your photos, printed on this pane of glass in really vivid color. So it looks nice. It's it's beautiful. It's modern looking. It's super easy to hang and it's a way to capture one of your photos and make it last for a long time into this really nice product that you can display proudly whatever you, you know, decided to capture with your phone or camera. It's super easy to get one. You just go to Fracture site, upload the photo you want, choose a size and order it. Uh, I don't know. Is there anything I left out? 
they're so I just I'm looking at mine at the moment I keep them by my desk and the thing that they had that I hadn't appreciated um which might be new actually is I got smaller ones um and they do a stand for them so you can have them sitting on your desk like a, a framed photo you got as well that? as mounting them on the wall yeah so two of uh, mine have little stands uh, the ones of my cats have little stands um because we might be moving soon I thought I'd better not put anything in the wall and it's really nice it's really subtle and really easy to use um so it's a really nice way of being able to display them maybe on your desk uh, rather than on your walls as well that's great so I've yeah, been meaning to try that I mine are all have the little divot that you can hang but I thought I'd get one with a stand uh, I just got back from Walker Stalker Orlando, which was pretty fantastic, actually. And I have pictures now of me with Josh Michael, who plays Jared, who I'd totally been looking forward to uh, talking to because I heard he's such a nice guy and Jared is such an asshole that I love to watch. So it was incredibly fun to do that panel. Anyways, I have one with uh, the guy who plays Eric, Jordan Wood Robinson, and, and Irony oh. Singleton, who plays T-Doc. If you've ever gone to a convention and done a photo op with a celeb and you love the way it turned out, this is another great way to just make it, you know, keep it forever and display it proudly. Um, my favorite one of these photo ops that I did probably is when I, I have this um, Tigger onesie and I put that on and did it, got down <laughs> on all fours to do a picture with Kari Payton and Cooper Andrews. And Gary, so I, I was Shiva. Amazing. <laughs> Jason, that's insane. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. And I, I growled and everything. Anyways, if you have a great picture that you would like to fracturize, you can do that by going to <laughs> fractureme.com slash dead. You get a special discount if it's your first fracture order. Again, that's fractureme.com slash dead. Thanks, Fracture. And what's the code if we want a picture of you dressed as a tiger? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should yeah, give that away as a special contest or something like that. <laughs> Obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens. The people it kills get up and kill. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. This is a Walking Deadcast news update. I have some news about flying zombies. Um, Digital Spy says that the sequence was one of the show's most ambitious ever, and cast member Jenna Elfman, who plays June, aka Naomi, aka Laura, got to watch the show's stunt team film it from the eye of the storm. Speaking to TV Guide, Elfman revealed that the actors playing the Flying Walkers had harnesses on and were being pulled as they were flung into the SWAT van to attack. Oh my god. <laughs> that was crazy, she remembered. I was sitting inside the SWAT van with Maggie watching these walkers fly past and slam into the van right in front of her eyes. The stunt people going through this. Literally flying by the window. It was so real and so creepy in a fun way. <laughs> so that's a little behind the scenes on how they did the flying zombies. In terms of The Walking Dead, uh, The Walking Dead's Lauren Cohen has said, according to Digital Spy, that Maggie's open-ended exit is the greatest way to honour her story in season nine. Usually when a character leaves the show, they also leave this mortal, mortal coil. You can't exactly win the lottery and go on a last-minute holiday to Spain in the post-apocalyptic world of The Walking Dead, says Digital Spy. This may not be the case with Maggie, as Cohen has reiterated that her exit leaves things open-ended. Speaking to the folks over at GameSpot, she said that she won't necessarily return, but it will be possible. I had a lot of time to think about it before I came back to The Walking Dead this season, she explained. And what the show means to me and my family there means to me, what my time there has meant and how this role has impacted my life, which is immeasurable. 
it feels like the greatest way to honour it is to keep it open-ended because whether it's about me going back as Maggie or whether it's about me just taking in, absorbing and honouring everything I've learned there, it never leaves me. It will never, ever leave me. And I think that's the greatest compliment you can give to anything and any group of people because we all came together to make something that we didn't know was going to have the success that it did. So open-ended exit for Maggie. Yeah, at first I thought maybe um, that could be just misdirection, but I keep hearing it. And so I'm starting to think maybe it's true. Yeah. Which begs the question, well, how did that happen? Does she get exiled or goes on a mission? I think those are the two we've never, options. We've never really had an open-ended exit on The Walking Dead before. Oh, no, well, wait, Heath. total bullshit. Sorry, Heath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe she goes off to find Heath. And then they come back in like 10 seasons time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As you mentioned at the start of the show, Jason, Variety is covering Telltale's The Walking Dead, the final season, which was released on August the 14th for PlayStation 4, Xbox, Nintendo Switch and PC. One of the executives said that they know how much Clementine means to our fans and she's meant a huge amount to the studio. We know that people are really invested and it's a real struggle for us, or it's our ambition at least to create a really satisfying, emotional, gut-wrenching climax to the story that remains true and that stays true to the character that people have been with for years in our games. Are you excited? Yeah, I am. I'm I'm excited. It's um, my friend Melissa, plus I love the game series. So yeah, what's not to love? Yeah. Clementine's the best. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next news item is about Chris Hardwick and I get the feeling we might actually discuss this slightly so I just want to put a slight trigger warning out there for any listeners because this will touch on issues about um, abuse and consent. So Chris Hardwick, uh, Variety States, returned as the host of the AMC series The Talking Dead on Sunday night. He took a moment at the opening of the show to thank the fans and the community for all their support over the past couple of months, past couple of months and stated that it the show is something that's been with him through good times and bad, and he's grateful to the fans, producers, and the amazing cast of both these shows for allowing me to come here and be part of this community every week. Hardwick was suspended from hosting the after show back in June after his ex-girlfriend, Chloe Dextra, posted an essay accusing Hardwick of being emotionally and sexually abusive during their relationship. Following an internal investigation, AMC reinstated Hardwick at the end of July. AMC said in a statement, we take these matters very seriously and given the information available to us after a very careful review, including interviews with numerous individuals, we believe returning Chris to work is the appropriate step. However, IndieWire also reports that at least one executive producer and several staffers won't be returning to The Walking Dead. They report that a female EP has chosen to depart The Walking Dead after show along with a handful of staffers now that Hardwick has been reinstated following AMC's investigation into the claims of abuse. Neither the female executive nor the staffers leaving Talking Dead have shared their names of yet, and now that Hardwick's name has been returned to the Nerdist website, one of their writers, Donna Dickens, has also left. AMC have neglected to comment. Okay. Okay. Do we want to talk about that or not? <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> um, that. I'm sure everyone it's... has opinions on whether that's a good thing or not. And I bet you that there are people who fall on both sides of that. I think it's, I feel like I have to say, I think it's, it's pretty bad that he's back on it. I think mm-hmm. it's a decision that AMC have made for reasons that are probably more about protecting their profit than protecting any individuals involved. And I think that 
and I know people disagree with me out there and I'm well I'm not sorry for that because I feel quite strongly about this I think if staff are ready and willing to walk out of the show upon his reinstatement then that's really suggestive that there's something quite wrong there and that a relationship between Hardwick and his staff perhaps hasn't been good before that I think that the the vulnerability of women and men who are in emotionally abusive relationships it isn't easy to gauge from the outside or the inside especially not from people who've never been in those situations and I think there's a lot of hostility in the kind of court of public opinion but to me the decision that AMC has made is not necessarily the right one now and it's not one that I'm supportive of which uh-huh. I can only apologize for but it's just something no, I'm not you behind. Don't apologize. I, I, I'm sure there's plenty of people listening to this possibly the majority who totally agree with everything you just said <clears throat> I wouldn't be surprised at all. Do you, I mean, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I guess I'll give a little counterpoint. I mean, I read Chloe Dykstra's thing and I thought, man, Chris Hardwick sounds horrible and that's, you know, an awful situation. And it, it you know, I don't feel comfortable uh, deciding that I know the truth of a situation just based no, on absolutely. hearing one person's account. I, I mean, it seems pretty obvious that that wasn't a great relationship no matter what. And mm. uh, he hasn't really given his account of it. Um, but I don't also feel comfortable with the idea that people should be deprived of their livelihood based on one person's accusation. You know, I think we have, Mm -hmm. um, established ways of dealing with things like that, you know, the courts and things like that, that, uh, I mean, like a a, a counter example is Bill Cosby who had so many Mm. women coming out and corroborating these things that I thought now he doesn't even need to go to court. I know that he's a monster Mm -hmm. with Chris Hardwick. It sounded like it maybe if we heard his side of the story, it would just be clear that it was a horrible relationship and he was insecure and kind of an asshole or, or totally an asshole sometimes. But still, I don't know if that means that he should like never be able to work again in our society or whatever. So I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know more than anything. Like I just don't, I don't think we heard enough to make the decision that, um, Chris Hardwick should never work again. And I don't even, Chris Hardwick isn't my favorite person. He's, I don't dislike (laughs) him, but I don't watch talking dead. I, I I don't listen to the Nerdist podcast. I, you know, and I listen, Mm -hmm. I've listened to him a few times and I think, yeah, he's fine. I, we could do a better job. You know, he's a little goofy. Um, so it's not because I'm like, oh, my friend, Chris Hardwick, I need to stand up for him. I just, I worry in society where we go too far and decide that we're the judge, jury and executioner. And I don't want to take that, um, too lightly. I don't want to move to a, a situation where we do that because one reason why is I'm a podcaster And I say things that people don't like sometimes, and I wouldn't want someone who didn't like what I was saying to be able to cause me to have to stop doing this thing that I love. So I just don't feel like we have enough information right now to say that Chris Hardwick should never be able to work again. I think I agree. I do agree with you on most of those points. I think I don't think he should never be able to work again, but I do think there needs to be a proper process of accountability because an internal investigation at AMC doesn't sound like the most objective way to discern this because they're looking to get their ho- their host back on their biggest money maker sure. um, as quickly as they can. And I just think that there is a danger with an audience of, you know, young people, a lot of people that we normalise this kind of behaviour and that when women speak up about something they've experienced, whether it was intended to be abusive or not, 
it's difficult because it's public court of opinion either way, isn't it? Whether you're you believe him or you believe her or you think that more information is needed. I certainly think that more information is needed, but I also part of me thinks that Chloe Dykstra doesn't owe it to anyone to give that information. She's kind of said what she has to say and we have a duty in a sense to kind of listen to that and ask you know, ask questions about it. I think that Chris Hardwick hasn't helped himself because he's not really made any statements or come back at anything like that and I think that to me is I don't know there's something about it that smells fishy to me and I'm not hugely comfortable with it at the moment as a thing that's going to happen yeah I don't disagree with any of that necessarily I think if we if there was a way that we could know the truth of what happens um we should know it but I don't think that's gonna necessarily happen I don't know if there's a good way to get at that and given that I don't think based on what we do know at this point that uh, it makes sense for him to not be able to have a job in TV or whatever. It's hard because I think there's a lot of, I mean, it ties in with a lot of things. There's a lot of people in the world right now, you know, where it's that classic thing of like your fave is problematic, like where people are getting torn down for various things. People are, you know, being held to task for things that happened many years ago. But I think there's a difference between things like someone like James Gunn making a joke in 2009 that he's held himself accountable for, apologised for, and someone being accused of... He made a lot of jokes, but still, yeah. Yeah, someone being accused of some actually pretty disgusting behaviour and not kind of responding to that or dealing with it in any way. I think, like, to carry the James Gunn thing a bit further, he's had the active support of the cast and crew who want him back. You know, they've spoken about it, they've accepted Mm -hmm. what he's done, and they've said we support him anyway. Yeah, and Chris Hardwick has had... uh, handful of people ex-girlfriends come forward in support of him and talk about how for with them he was nothing but respectful so he's had some of that too he's had some of it he hasn't had it in the same sense of there are people actually walking away from executive producing the show that he's now back on based on this yeah. so I just, I don't and know. we don't know whether those people who walked away are feeling a similar way that you are that maybe you know I, I, you know could just pot potentially be that they don't know chris hardwick very well but they just don't think that justice was served here or whatever we don't know that i mean i think you're right it doesn't look good at all for him but we don't really mm. know i just think they've maybe been hasty to reinstate him at this point i feel like there are still questions out there and i I don't think this is the end of the story. I think there's going to be more repercussions for this. And certainly um, Chloe Dykstra's tweeted to that effect over the past couple of days. Oh, yeah? What did Um, she... uh, She just said, just a reminder, I 100% stand by every single word of my essay. I made sure it was unembellished, factual, and that I had evidence to back it up in order to protect myself in case of actual litigation, Mm -hmm. not a network investigation in which I'm not protected. That's all. Interesting. I, yeah, I remember yeah. her saying something about having recordings and stuff like that. Well, we'll yeah. see. I mean, like, yeah, if like, I don't want to um, make it sound like I uh, approve of any of the behavior that she no. said Chris Hardwick did, or even that I don't believe her. I, I'm just saying I, I don't know. And based on what we know, I, I really don't think that uh, people should have 
severe repercussions against their life based on what someone says that's not proven. Now, on the other hand, I think it's great that in this environment that we have now that women are, and anyone who's been abused is feeling empowered to come forward and talk about it and have some action taken. So, um, I don't want that to stop and I don't, I don't support any kind of abusive behavior or anything like that either. Yeah, Jason, God, stop promoting all of this stuff, man. (laughs) God, you're just insatiable. What can I say? No, I completely agree. I just, I worry in this case, the AMC have undercut that it feels like they've been hasty in in reinstating and i think it's you know i struggle with this a lot because it's getting to the point now where almost everyone has a skeleton in the closet or almost every person you know there was this thing on twitter the other day of the world's worst game is when you see someone's name trending on twitter and the question is have they are they dead have they come up as an abuser or has scandal happened you know because that's the only reason why names start to come up and it's you know it's awful when people get wrongly accused of things yeah or also i think if any of us were seen at our worst if you know Uh we could go back somehow with new technology and go into someone's brain and get a video of whatever you know any of us at our worst and then blast that out on twitter Mm -hmm. and under these uh sort of uh not rules but standards that are developing any of us could lose our livelihoods (laughs) but there is your the thing that the thing that gets me and i think it's something that i you know people are going to disagree with this and i understand that but the one thing i would say is that emotional abuse is something that isn't spoken about enough and it's not something that people recognize and it's not something that is always quantifiable it's not easy to say you know you can say someone smack me in the face someone stabbed me with a knife but you can't always quantify the extent to which emotional abuse has affected someone's life and no. it may be that the abuser doesn't know they're doing it but that doesn't make it okay and i do think that there has to be accountability for that and there has to be the ability for young men and women to be able to say this is emotionally unhealthy and i think with the problem here is chloe dykstra's come forward with i would say a very an account that a lot of people probably recognize who've had that feeling before in their lives or been in bad situations and it seems that it has not been taken seriously in a lot of ways i don't think that every person who's accused of something should have their livelihood taken away from them and there are situations where you know johnny depp's a great example he's been in so many wonderful films and has had a complete fall from grace in a similar situation with accusations of domestic abuse do I think that I should never watch another film with Johnny Depp in it for the rest of my life? I don't know. Does it mean that Edward Scissorhands is no longer one of my favourite films? I don't know the answer. But I do know that we need to start looking at accountability and we need to look at the way that these narratives of abuse and the way that women in particular, but also men, are treated in relationships like that where the power dynamic is fucked up. They need to be spoken about. And yeah, maybe Chris I, Hardwick didn't realise what he was doing. Well, That's I also think fine. it's possible that if we heard uh, Chris Hardwick's account of this relationship or if we were there that we would see that chloe dykstra was not completely um not at fault in or at least didn't play a part in the um dysfunctionality of their relationship we just don't know absolutely but the fact that he's not addressed it in any way or owned up to any part of it or spoken you know i didn't intend for this to be or blah 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 that to me speaks volumes and is what worries me most of all so for the time being, I myself will not be partaking of The Talking Dead. The Talking Dead. Well, I will also continue not to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jason. And I also, I, it just pisses me off that a guy goes on TV and gets emotional for two seconds and everyone is like, oh my God, he's so brave, he's come back. And, you know, 
how about all the women that he's made cry over the years? How you know what I mean? There's there's two sides to every story, but I just think sometimes we need to be a bit more skeptical about these things um, than we currently are. But he's back and he's a friend to the show, so I guess that's the way it's going to be for a bit. Um, yeah, and but that's um, my soapbox moment. <laughs> like I said, everyone who's listening, I'm sure you have your opinions. Hopefully, um, you're not like unsubscribing from this podcast because you didn't agree with one or both of us but uh we we welcome your feedback too and to have this be a discussion among all of us if you want yeah please send all your hate mail to me via uh, the scotch <laughs> postal system um it's great so i think you know, i get, get more hate mail than you but yeah <laughs> oh no we should have a competition let's see who gets right, more right. hate mail <laughs> okay <laughs> we'll involve hardwick as well see who wins uh, like <laughs> I know. all right well all right so uh is that it for the news uh, yeah, it is. I feel like I should have something like, oh, here's a cute kid and dressed as a zombie, but I don't. Sorry, guys. <laughs> well, good. Let's get into our listener moans, groans, and hate mail. Here we go. <laughs> you want to go first? Of course. Jillian uh, Moreau says, it was a pretty good episode. A little slow, but I didn't mind that. I was kind of frustrated by Morgan saying he wanted to go back, yet part of me was like, yeah, go back. Charlie, oh, what is it with all the kids in this universe? None of them listen. Drunk Strand is fun. John Dory is so damn sweet. Alicia needs a purpose and it sucks that the one she found ended that way. But I'm so over Luciana. I mean, for fuck's sake, I just think her character is useless. She literally (laughs) spent the entire episode laying on the floor. Anyways, I'm so excited to hear Lucy and Jason back at it again. Love you guys. Aw, love love you you too, Jillian. Yeah pretty much wraps it up brad holt says i'd love to see morgan lead this ragtag group back east and see the two shows merge into an anthology series after rick's story is finished that could be interesting i mean i mm-hmm. wouldn't necessarily just say no to that right away i know i know it's yeah. not going to happen they've got two shows going on there but it could be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they would merge together absolutely um fran bernstein says these grapes were not meant for wrath haha <laughs> great line from strand this and the flying walkers were the best part of the episode overall slow and i'm missing nick and madison <laughs> yep kara mccullough says i love uh, love the zombie tornado that's something new for sure i found this episode very slow moving and would like to watch it again to see if i like it better as a member of the john dory officially unofficial fan club it was nice to see him on the mend and playing scrabble again <laughs> Car is one of our treasured members of that fan club. Um, Shane Purrier says, pretty cool episode, although I don't buy a hurricane in the Austin area, too far inland. Now, if they were in Houston, that's a different story. I have my John Dory fan club shirt now, and I was going to wear it as I moderated the Garrett Dillahunt, Jenna Elfman panel in Orlando this weekend, <gasps> except then Garrett Dillahunt canceled on the panel, so I didn't get to do it. I was like totally well, looking forward to that. He- he has seen and liked the t-shirts though. That's what I heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. You could have given him one. Gave I know. Him I one. know. Yeah. Next, I think he might be in Atlanta, so I'm on it. Oh, cool. Jason Robertson says, really enjoyed it. I'm loving the new kind of drama and realizing a show can go on after major character deaths. Cause we may need that reminder come October. Gonna mm-hmm. miss uh, Nick and Madison. Don't get bit. Here's my zombie sound. Yeah. <laughs> It's quite good, actually. Uh, Cheryl Rainey Fox says, I enjoyed this episode. Seeing how each character has or has not moved on is interesting, except Althea. She seems stuck and has not seemed to change much. Why do you suppose that is? Because she's emotionally healthy and had a nice childhood. 
I agree. (laughs) (laughs) Robin Springer says, I liked it much better on second watch. At first, I was surprised they weren't all living together, but then it made sense that they wouldn't necessarily be bonded after what they went through together. Everybody telling each other to think about telling what's bothering them. Charlie retreating into books. Luciana retreating into music. Alicia retreating into crazy action. I like the way she puts that. They're all retreating into these different things. And I love Charlie giving Lucy a copy of The Little Prince to say she's sorry or I don't need your book. (laughs) Or fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, fuck you. So sad. But they can't really mean that the storm is a hurricane, can they? I've lived through a few and you have three to four days prior with increasingly overcast and rainy weather until the storm hits. Not a breezy sunny day and suddenly you're in a hurricane in a matter of a couple hours. And I hope they're not going to put Morgan and Rick on the road and have them meet up. No. Oh, I'm kind of in for that. Yeah. Morgan and Rick spinoff show. I'd be all over that. (laughs) You know, at at this point, now that Rick's gone, I'm like, eh, whatever. Just do whatever. Yeah. crazy. (laughs) Rick and Morgan's wacky adventures. I'd be all over that. I think it would be hilarious. Think of the escapades they'd get up to. Oh, no. Definitely. (laughs) Um, Robin Springer Part 2 presumably another Robin Springer whose surname is part two, says it was interesting that one of Charlie's books was The Yearling. It's about a young boy who has rough relationships with the people around him, has no bond with his mother, lives in a world in which he's hungry, his friends die, he gets caught in a flood and finally runs away and faces even worse hardships. Just saying, I noticed the literature. So there you go. Thank you, Robin. Hmm. Yep, no horse. I need that. Lara Willie Swink says, not sure about this new and improved eye roll fear, but I think I'll hang out with Victor Strand in the ZA and John Dory can see, uh, because I know Lara, she, I think she works in wine and she likes wine and John Dory continues to be the kindest soul in this world. I prefer his gentle, strong yet silent approach to counseling over Morgan's soapbox dialogues. Oh, Lara. (laughs) Uh, Alicia Stout says, John Dory is the sweetest person ever. I mean, he made a Scrabble board. Swoon. One, two, three, four, five, six. Uh, roughly 10 love heart faces. <laughs> Joseph Cotton said, it was great to meet you, Jason, in Orlando. Looking forward to the podcast. I met Joseph Cotton in Orlando. He was super nice. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was volunteering for the con. Really nice guy. Matt Mann says, zombie NATO. Really? Cat Craft says, Zed NATO. Sarah Larkham says, Walker NATO. <laughs> <laughs> it's raining, Zeds. And then uh, one email from Rebecca Louise says, Hey, Jason and Lucy, I just finished watching the mid-season premiere, watching the opening scene with what looked like some very unconvincing CGI zombies and leaving f- and leaves flying through a hurricane. I rolled my eyes to myself and thought, this is going to be crap. I'm going to say, I'm glad to say I was pleasantly surprised by an interesting, well-written and suspenseful mid-season opener. Yes, I was annoyed at how insecure the house was and how they had made literally no effort to secure it. I like that because Strand's just like, Mm -hmm. "Eh, who cares? But aside from Mm -hmm. that, nothing else this episode had me screaming at the TV for them being dumb. Love seeing John Dory back on screen. He was far too underused in the episodes leading up to the midseason finale, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. some good comedy moments from Strand had me chuckling. Yes, even the Benny Hill style zombie kill he did in the house mm-hmm. be, uh, behind Luciana without her noticing. Was it far-fetched? Yes. Was it ridiculous? Almost certainly. Did it make me laugh? Absolutely. Sometimes lighter moments are a tonic as they take away from some otherwise pretty depressing material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Good that's point. definitely true. All in all, a strong start to the back half of the season. Let's hope it continues. Unlike the first half that had me gripped for the first four or five episodes, then had me losing more and more interest each week. Ah, uh, yeah, kind of me too, I guess. Still, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for this half. Woo. Me too. Thanks, Good Rebecca. Letter. 
We got a couple of calls. I haven't listened to either. Sometimes I like to just be surprised. Here's Emily Reeves. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Emily from Arizona. Just wanting to give my thoughts about the episode. Um, the thing that stands out to me the most is um, changing the rules about walkers. Because, you know, in season one, um, the walkers could, you know, bang rocks against the glass and stuff like that. And they kind of changed the rules with that. You know, walkers can't do that anymore. And, and then they changed the rules with covering yourself in in walker guts and how you know now that can make you sick and okay I can buy that I guess and and then how they kind of weaponize the zombie guts with you know putting it on their weapons and stuff like that and okay I'll I'll buy that I can let it slide I guess but what I can't let slide and what I think is absolutely ridiculous is that they gave the walkers the ability to fly I think that's just ridiculous. I mean, walkers with superpowers, that's just cheesy and campy. Next thing you know, they're going to be shooting laser beams out of their eyes or something. So, anyway, those are just my thoughts. Hope you enjoy them. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Now that Rick Grimes is dead, I'm like, eh, make him fly. That's fine. I love Emily's calls so much. They always make my day. She's great. <laughs> I love it. Thank you, Emily. All right. And then our final call is from Anwen from New Zealand. Oh. Here we go. Hi, Jason and Lucy. It's Anwen from New Zealand. I um, just wanted to tell you how much I loved last week's episode. I'm so happy the women of Podcastica got together to record. And I think you're just all amazing. You're funny, insightful, respectful, and all around ass-kickingly fabulous. Um, Karen, your infectious laugh and your love of Buffy just made me so happy. Lucy, your wry wit and your quirky point of view <laughs> and your accent. Rima, your grace and your eloquence and sassiness. And Kristen, your fierce convictions about everything. I've really enjoyed getting to know you all through the podcasts and the chats. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, I really, really hope to meet you all one day in real life. I feel like I've known you forever. Huge hugs from across the oceans. Bye. Oh. Um, isn't she just the loveliest person oh yeah that she really described you guys well oh <laughs> i'll take that i'll take quirky <laughs> and witty <laughs> right, wit. thank you that was really nice of you yeah oh, I couldn't agree more and they're they are absolutely fantastic women um, and she's completely right they're just wonderful mm-hmm. So. Well, Karen wants to do more of those and maybe have some other women, you know, in there. So, and when yeah. you can be on one too sometime. Oh, that'd be so amazing. Awesome. <laughs> what we, what our listeners don't know is that Anwen, um, because she lives in New Zealand, is actually an elven queen from Lord of the Rings. So it would be really yeah. cool if she was on the show. Yeah, I think most listeners probably figured though. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is our show, episode 320. Thank you for listening, everybody, as usual. If you want to give us a call, you can call us at 650-485-DEAD. That's 650-485-3323. Or do like I think Enwin and Emily did and uh, just you know record something on your phone and email it. Then it's super clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can email us on that note at brains at podcastica.com find us on the web at facebook.com slash deadcast and be sure to check out our other shows at podcastica.com and yeah um facebook.com slash deadcast if you want to enter the contest to win the um walking dead 
final season game go on there and you can all put a post up there uh other shows at podcastica.com right now strange indeed is covering castle rock which mm-hmm. I, I need to catch up on but i hear it's good so that's something we're checking out next episode of this podcast will be next week fear the walking dead season four episode 10 close your eyes Ooh. Ooh. all right that is our show thanks for listening Don't get joseph, joseph cotton, cotton.